Hello and welcome back. My name is Dr. Christopher Gennari, and this is Great Big History Podcast. In this episode of History 102, we do the Scientific Revolution. The Scientific Revolution, science, is a reaction to the violence of the Reformation. In the Reformation, the big question was, who truly knows God? And the answer is... Nobody knows. Nobody knows who's right. But in asking that question, it led to 30 to 50 million people dead and no closer to the truth. And lots of people thought that's insane. And so what science wanted to do was have answers, discover things about the universe that could be figured out that could be proven to find truth so what science wants to find is a universal dispassionate truth something everybody can agree on something you look at the evidence and go yes that's true and so the first thing it needs is a language for that. How do you speak to everyone? How do you speak universally a language of truth that people will not argue over, that people will not fight over, that people will not kill over? And the answer to that is, science, is math. The language of science is math. Why? It's dispassionate. That's the first thing. It's dispassionate. It's either right or it's wrong. You can't fake it. You could do a long proof, and at the end of it, you come up with the right answer, or you don't. It's also the same every time. It doesn't change. Two plus two equals four. Under every circumstance. The square root of. I don't know. Gotta mess this up. I don't know my square root. 64 is 8, right? But math is either right or it's wrong. I can't fake it. It's the same every time. And think about fights that you've had in classes. Think about fights you've seen in classes. I bet it never happens in math class. I bet you nobody walks out of math class in a huff being like, this professor doesn't know what they're talking about. Cosines and signs. <coughs> but history class has it all the time. People fight about history. Uh, people f are going to fight about this class. They're fighting right now about Black Lives Matter and critical race theory, and they're right fighting about racism. Does it exist? Does it not? Fighting about uh, different theories of God, Judaism, Christianity, Islam. I have people write, you know, all the time, your portrayal of the thing I like is not this is not what I want it to be. 
whatever it may be. So, history upsets everybody. We're constantly fighting about history. But how many people get passionate, argue to their blue in the face, yell at each other, make laws, elect people to make laws over two plus two? Right now, in American society, in 2021, we're talking about all kinds of different political, theoretical, historical things. There's pa- passing laws in, in, in different states about Sharia law and transgendered studies and critical race theory and... Um, Patriotic history, quote unquote. Not one of those laws is about arithmetic. Not one is about how you conser- how you figure out interest rates. Not one is about figuring out poverty. Like, how do you calculate poverty? Like, that's math. None of them is actuarial. You know, what is the value of your home? Who's going to die first? But they'll make laws about can you talk to somebody about having an abortion, about sex ed, and yet not talk about the angles of a triangle at all. There's not one law outlawing teaching the angles of a triangle or mathematical logic. Not one. Nowhere. As far as I know. So math is the language of science. It's dispassionate. It's right or it's long, wrong. You can't fake it. It's the same every time. It is the response to the fire and the brimstone, the death and the destruction of the Reformation. And so what this creates is a scientific method. It's right and it's verifiable. It's 100% of the time the same. And it can be proven by others. Science, to be science, must be right every time. Otherwise, it's magic and it's mysticism, which is what science is a response to as well. Because it wasn't that people had no way of understanding the universe. It was the traditional way of Greek philosophy... Christian theology, both of which involved magic and mysticism. It's it's that the words, the dances, the herbs, the smells, you did these things and maybe it worked. You went to the hoogly-boogly woman and said, I have a problem and I need to take something to get rid of it or otherwise I've got three months and my parents are going to be real mad at me. And the hoogly-boogly woman out in the woods... Right? Hansel and Gretel. Right? Uh, how, how many stories are there of the, the strange woman out in the woods living by herself? Right? It's in um, Brave as well. 
you take some herbs, you take some things and say, under the light of the full moon, drink this, do this dance in a circle three times. It should help. This is a world of female doctors, of abortions, of birth, of love, of death. People go to the go to these women, and there can be men. There's the shaman men in all religions, all over the place, in every culture. But there's a this is also a world of women because birth and death and love is the world of women in a lot of these societies. And so they go and say, I want someone to fall in love with me. Or I want this person to fall in love with me. Or I want to see my child after death. How many, like the Long Island median woman, how many um, psychics do you run into? Do you see? There are women. In college, I lived above a store. That was a, a, a mysticism store with the power crystals and herbs, aromatherapy. This is what we're talking about. It's magic. Now, you may understand magic as illusion. That's one form of magic. That's David, David Copperfield making the um, Empire State Building disappear. Oh! But magic is simply a, the world of religious saints. It's Jesus' miracles. It's a thing that happens that you can't explain. A miracle, right? The, the loaves and the fishes. The turning the water. The first one. Let's just deal with the first one before we even get to something complicated like the loaves and the fishes. Turning water into wine. How does Jesus do it? He takes the water, he says a few words, he does a little something with his hands, and poof. A miracle is simply an event unexplained by physics. It can't be explained. The cancer went away. Why? Nobody knows. Nobody can explain it. It just did. Jesus turned the water into wine. And the biggest of all, if you're a Christian, and scientific, the science does not have a problem with this, is the resurrection. That is magic. And let's be honest, Jesus can't be Jesus without magic. Now, we live in a world of science, and so we're like, oh, magic, it's all fake. Jesus could not be Jesus. Jesus could not have been a prophet, much less the son of God, much less God, on earth without being able to do things that were magical, that were miraculous. Saints, all of the saints, right? To be a saint, you have to prove that you are basically touched. You have to do two miracles or more. Right, You have to do things that shows God intervention on earth. So magic was a crucial part of religion. See the Eucharist. You do it every week. What does the priest do? He takes a loaf of bread. Right, He takes the host. He says a few words. He sings a little song. He does a little dance. Right, He picks up the host. He puts it down. He picks it up. He puts it down. 
And at the end of that little ceremony, boom, the Eucharist is different. It's not a host anymore. It's not just a little piece of bread. It's something special. Now, in the Reformation, they will argue over what it is. And science will zap it and tell you, oh, it's still just a piece of unleavened bread. But the idea of magic is it's different. It's now the body of God. That's magic. Magic is serious. People relied on it. And science has to fight it. Science is at war with magic and mysticism. Because science is going to say, we have a better way of explaining the universe. That's what science has to do. Science also has to fight with old traditions. What you know might be wrong. Let's start with Aristotle, the big one. The big elephant in the room, Aristotle. Everyone believes Aristotle's right. Well, what if he's wrong? Aristotle said the earth is the center of the universe. Look. And if there's a video, but you could just do any search for star trails. Any search for star trails. Because if you sit and look up at stars, I know we live in Philly and urban areas and you don't get to see stars very much. But if you go out to the middle of Pennsylvania, you can see some of the best skies on Earth. Some of the darkest skies in the east. And if you look up and watch the stars, they move. They move around you. Clearly the Earth is the center. Clearly the universe is moving. Why would the Earth be moving? But Galileo is going to say, but my math, and more importantly, my telescope, says the Earth is moving. Galen, humors make up the organs, the flow of blood, and make up people's mood. Hook is going to say, maybe not. Maybe it's the circulatory system. The Bible is going to have two creation stories. One of them's got to be right. And Darwin's going to say, maybe, but not exactly. It's a bit more of a complicated process. The advantage is truth, mind-blowing truth. The disadvantage is, what WTF? Everything you know is wrong. And that's crazy. What about marriage? Women, love, death, raising kids, slavery, taxes, racism. Is that all wrong too? Is that all, all everything I know is wrong? Is St. Paul wrong? St. Augustine? Like, if everybody's wrong, what's right? Could it all be wrong? Maybe there isn't even a God? Like, once you start saying the old traditions are wrong, it knocks down everything. And you can understand why this is science is extremely liberal. It's hard to be a conservative scientist, just like it's hard to be a conservative historian. And the reason why is it changes. Society changes. Life changes. And conservative 
So conservatism, by its definition, wants things to stay the same, wants things to slow down, doesn't think things need to change. But here is science demolishing everything. It's saying everything you know is wrong. There might not even be a God. Now that's the lefty of lefty of lefties at this point. Because it's hard, even in 1700, to be like, there's no God. But some people start going, can you prove it? Can you prove that God exists with math? Now, Newton will say yes, but other people will not be so sure. So we get the scientific revolution. But the scientific revolution cannot happen without new technologies. This is why Aristotle is going to end up being wrong. Because from his perspective, sitting on the earth, looking up at stars, he's right. The earth doesn't move. The stars do move. It's only when you can leave that perspective... That you see a new idea. So Hook. We're going to start with Hook. Is going to use the microscope. He's going to look at blood. Now what is blood? I cut myself. I bleed. What is blood? Blood's obviously a liquid. Obviously a liquid. Clearly it's a liquid. It flows. You can pump it out of your body. But when you look under under a microscope, it's not a liquid. It's a solid. It's billions of solids, red blood cells, moving across each other in plasma. Blood isn't a liquid at all. It's a jumble of microscopic solids. Galileo is going to use the telescope to see beyond himself. He's going to see the moons of Jupiter. He's going to see supernovas. He's going to see a changing universe. And that's huge because why does the universe need to change? Let's start with the moons of Jupiter. What does the moons of Jupiter prove? Proves Earth isn't the center of the universe. Why? Because a moon of Jupiter goes around Jupiter. It doesn't go around the Earth. What he saw through the telescope was moons going around Jupiter, which by definition means the Earth can't be the center. It's not quite up to the Earth moves, that will be left to math, Copernicus math, right? And, and, you know, other observations. But the moons of Jupiter simply show, one, the universe changes. Things move independent of the Earth. And it shows the Earth isn't as important as people thought. If moons go around Jupiter, they're not going around the Earth.
So there's a big problem with this. And that problem is the church. It's conservatism. It's the church equal knowledge. It was the protector of Aristotle, the classics, the Bible. If Aristotle is wrong, people start to wonder, is the church wrong about other things? And remember, this is going on as a reaction to the Reformation, which flat out said Luther was saying the church is wrong. Now, the church could fight on theological grounds because no one could prove them. No one could prove what Jesus really wanted. No one could prove what God is really like. No one could prove how do you really get into heaven. But this is another brick in, the, in Luther's and the Protestant wall of maybe you're wrong. You're defending Aristotle. If Aristotle is wrong, maybe you're wrong about the other stuff you're defending. So what you get is a conservative reaction to try to stop science. They burn the books. There's the Inquisition. The church hires their own, quote, scientists, end quote, to disprove the new science. This is this way. No one knows the real truth. See, everyone's saying something, right? Oh, those, those moons of Jupiter um, are really going around the Earth, but in a much larger trajectory. We see, we see the tobacco companies did this in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s. You hire scientists. You hire people with degrees. Um, oil companies have done this with global warming. 98% of scientists believe, and you'll see this number, 98% of scientists say global warming. And then you'll get these other guys, and they inevitably get paid from a grant from ExxonMobil. It's like, what? other things like the earth is actually slowing down and moving closer to the sun and so yeah, yeah there's a lot more carbon dioxide in the atmosphere but really if you put a wet finger in your ear you'll notice that you get cooler so it's not you get people who walk in with oh well it snows can't be warmer it snows seattle is 118 degrees but you know you get snow someplace so obviously you know, Miami is literally falling into the ocean. But, you know, it's got to be something else. You know, and you'll see, like, and then you'll get polls that will go, well, do you think climate change is affecting human society? And you go, well, I don't know. The science is muddled. I think, I don't know. Why? Because the conservative church wanted people to be confused. Science was new. Science is complicated. Science is a lot of math. And they wanted people to be like, I don't know. Because if they don't know, they'll stay. They won't change. They won't accept the new ideas. Which the church found dangerous. Which conservatives found dangerous. And so they even put Galileo on trial. And forced him to renounce his ideas. Forced him to say he made it all up. So, one, we're going to burn the books. Two, we're going to hire our own scientists. And three, we're going to get the famous scientists to say they were wrong or they made it all up. We've seen all three of these with climate change over the last ten years. All three. And so Galileo's put on trial, 
He's forced to renounce his ideas. And then famously, but probably it's apocryphal, the idea being that he might have done it, but he probably didn't. But the idea is he, he got off the stand and he was walking away. He's going into his house arrest. He's going to burn his, quote, burn his books. And he mutters, and yet it moves. Meaning the earth still moves. Like, you could put me on trial. You can burn the books. You could say no, 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 no with your fingers in your ear. You could hire your own fake scientists. The earth still moves. Knowledge and truth don't care about your politics. You could deny it all you want, but truth is truth. The world, I got into a fight with people, giving a presentation, and I brought up climate change, and I'm like, climate change is going to affect where people live. And he went, no, it's not. It's not real. How do you know it's real? And I'm like, the earth is getting hotter, and you won't be able to live where you want to live. Dirt, dirt. I, you can deny it all you want. It was 118 degrees in Seattle last week. The earth is getting hotter. All the numbers say it's getting hotter. You can say, oh, well, you know, there's been uh, ice ages before. Yeah, there was a mini ice age. I study the mini ice age, not scientifically. It's part of my history. It's part of my period, right? And there's evidence that the mini ice age came from the die-off of the, of the North American native Indians, native peoples. That's 100 million people dying, took so much carbon out of the air from their manufacturing, from their production, from their cooking, which cooks so much carbon out of the air that the earth got a cold. Now, I don't know. That's a fairly new idea. But there's at least a theory about it that humans caused the mini ice age. But what do I know? I know the earth is getting hotter. And you want to move to Florida? Okay. It's getting hotter. You want to buy a million dollar mansion on on in Miami? Overlooking the water? Okay. But the seas are rising. The oceans are getting hotter. Hurricanes are getting more powerful. You can deny that all you want. You can say, no, 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 no. No, you're wrong. Okay? Well, sooner or later, a hurricane's going to come. And flood your city. Smash your town. It happened in New Orleans. The South is going to cook. You can deny it all you want. And pocket all the money. But and yet, it moves. Sooner or later. Conservatism's fundamental flaw in the face of change is it can't necessarily handle truth. 
It will deny it to the end. And so that leaves us to Newton. Newton makes science 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 sexy. Celebrity. He makes us he makes us the scientist into a celebrity. Science is cool. It's sexy. He had a broad curiosity. He talks about everything. I mean, he invents calculus on a bar bet. He's sitting, the story is, he's sitting in a bar, drinking with a friend, and the friend goes, Newton, why do planets orbit in an ellipse and not in a circle? The ancients tell us the circle is the perfect form. Why wouldn't why would they be in this weird wobbly, timey wimey? You know, it's it's close at one end, it's farther away at the other. What? Why? And Newton goes, uh, "I don't actually know. I don't know. That's a good question." And so he went out to figure it out. And he invented calculus, which I'm sure lots of you are happy about, in order to figure that out. He invents, he doesn't invent momentum and gravity, but he figures out the laws of momentum and gravity. He invents basically physics, which I know for those of you who are taking those classes are probably not so happy about. But physics tells you that the universe is predictable. It's why things move and how. It's how... Objects interact with other objects. You know, an object in space at rest will stay at rest until moved by another object. And invents physics. And the importance of physics is that it allows people to understand the universe and thus understand God. Newton believes in God. In fact, in his Principia, the Principia Mathematica, his kind of answer to Thomas Aquinas, a big book that's like, here's all the laws of the universe, mathematically. He has a mathematical proof that God exists. And what's funny is, it sounds just like Aquinas and Aristotle. It starts with a prime mover. It starts with his law on momentum. It starts with... An object at rest stays at rest until acted upon by another object. Okay. Right? This is a law. No object moves. I got a piece of paper on my desk. It's going to sit there forever until something, the wind, uh, my finger, my, uh, the collapsing roof moves it. It will just sit in this spot forever. What does that mean for the universe? In the universe, everything's move. We know it moves. The Earth moves, right? The planets move. The solar system moves. Right? People move. Animals move. The wind moves. The universe moves. What caused it? What caused, caused, caused? Because you could keep going back in time. But in back, all the way back in time... There must be, and Aristotle has this, and Aquinas agrees, an unmoved 
mover. Something that moves but is not itself moved. Newton, one of the smartest men who ever existed, is like, that's God. There has to be. I mean, this becomes the, the Big Bang Theory. Now remember, the Big Bang Theory, that the Earth started with a giant explosion, is a Catholic Church, is a Christian theory. But the Big Bang Theory says all matter was in this infinitesimally small spot and then exploded. And this is more or less what science says is the start of the universe. Okay? What caused that explosion? Science has no idea. Newton would say, Aquinas would say, it's God. And I'd have a problem with that. And there's room for God there. For all the people who are like, science kills God. Oh, There's plenty of room for God. Because there's plenty of things that cannot be explained. What is the unmoved mover? What caused the Big Bang? Was it physics? Perhaps. Was it also a divine being going, let there be light? Because let's also be honest and give the, give the Bible its due. If the Big Bang Theory is the way, and it's accepted as the way, but if it is, it's a theory, it's not yet a law, but if it is the way of the of the start of the universe, it started with light. It started with the creation of, of all angels, Lucifer. It started with light. Because energy gives off heat and light. Basic nuclear explosion. Also, he's going to kind of start environmentalism. Newton's going to start environmentalism. The universe is perfect. It works perfectly. So only people can mess it up with our mining and our industry and our pollution. The river will flow perfectly fine until humans build a dam. Right? The land will work perfectly fine till humans pollute it with our toxic sludge. The universe is in perfect balance. And so only people can mess it up. So this is a call for environmentalism, that people should conserve the universe, should take care of it. If you watched WALL-E, it is what humans fail to do. It's what capitalism can't do. There's no money in protecting the universe. There's only money in exploiting it. I remember I had a conversation with a friend of mine way back, way back in college. It was college. No, it had to be graduate school because he was in law school. And he was probably studying for his bar. But this was back in law school. And he said, you know what the worst part legally, economically, of any town is? What is the least desired property? And I said, what? And he's like, the park. The park is a piece of land that is undeveloped property. It's just ground, and it's just trees, and no one taxes it, and no one owns it. 
No one develops it. No one has sky rights over it. And no one has mining rights underneath it. It's economically useless. And yet, to quality of life is incredibly important. Think about Central Park. Think about how much land, how much valuable land that is that's undeveloped. This giant park, this what, 40 streets, two miles long of a park? I don't know how many avenues it is. Three, four. That's just left undeveloped in the middle of the densest city in America? That's crazy. But he's like, but for quality of life, it's it's the best part. It's what the people want to live near. They want to be near the park. You take your dogs there. You play uh, sports on it. Right? But it doesn't make the town any money. So there's no incentive to leave a park a park. And that's the problem with environmentalism. Environmentalism can't compete with capitalism. What this all creates is the age of man. What Newton is talking about, what Isaac Newton is talking about is the age of man. People can understand God's laws for the universe. If we can understand them, we can use them. And we can make the world a better place. And that has advantages and disadvantages. Humans are the most important and most destructive actor in the world. We can, science can create nuclear power, which is endless, limitless power. The idea when nuclear power was invented was that it would be free because it would, it's self-perpetuating. It goes on and on and on. Oh, great. There's a cost to building a nuclear power plant, and there's a little bit of cost to storing, you know, to, to transmitting the power. But the idea, the original idea was fusion. Is it fusion? Fission. It's fission. Fusion is the ideal. But fission will go on in perpetuity long after people are dead. That you can start the process. And so you get nuclear power. Now, nuclear power also creates two things. Well, it creates one thing, which is nuclear pollution, which is a problem. But you could also use nuclear power to create nuclear explosions, which would wipe out all of humanity. So humans are important and destructive at the same time. We can take care of the environment and we can destroy it. We can conserve whales and we can murder them all. And so that's what science is trying to do, is understand the universe. We're a little further along, but we probably still have a long way to go. So be safe. Take care.